kind of I'm gonna kind of step back about 12, 13 years, and I think if if you would have looked at Dallas as a hockey community 12, 13 years ago, I think you could have made an argument it was the most toxic, unhealthy market in the country. Why? Um, you had situations where if a parent wasn't happy, they'd go start their own organization, they'd throw money at people, they'd throw money at players. You had it where if you tried to coach a kid hard or hold him accountable, there'd be another club in town saying, oh, you know, they're being mean to you, come play for me. And then you'd have people jumping all over the place. The teams weren't good. The best players were wanting to leave town because no one was good. The culture, we had, we had way more tier one and tier two organizations and we had players to support it. So tier two was bad. It was just a lot of fighting, lawsuits. I mean, it was, it was, you know, you had a lot of politics because Hello, everyone, and welcome to the club. This podcast is dedicated to club and travel sports. I'm your host, Matt Gildon. I've spent the past 20 years getting my three kids through the sports landscape, through club and travel, all the way through to college recruiting and even a little bit beyond. There's a lot to cover in in, uh, the club and travel sports world, so I'm super excited to jump into it. We're going to cover it all. And again, thanks for joining, and welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, the podcast that is dedicated to club and travel sports. I'm your host, Matt Gildon, and today we are very happy to be talking hockey. The hockey season has just kicked off in the NHL a couple days ago, and NCAA kicked off this past weekend, and club hockey has been going on for about a month now, so that's really getting into full swing, and it's just a great time of year. And um, we're very excited for today's guest. Eric Silverman from the Dallas Stars Elite Hockey Club has played not just key roles in the enhancement and the improvement and the overall stability of the, the DFW hockey scene. Eric also plays key roles from a national team uh, perspective, from a uh, junior hockey perspective. Uh, it's various levels and I suspect Eric's relationships probably actually reach out into the pro levels as well and we'll get into all that so very excited to have Eric today and uh, let's get this hockey season rolling and welcome to the club hey Eric welcome uh, I really appreciate you taking the the time today I know you got a lot going on with the hockey season just started so you know how's it all going what's uh what's the latest well thanks for having me yeah we're uh we're full board ahead here. So, um, you know, we're probably six weeks out from starting practice. All the games probably started early September. So we're, we're in mid season form. Things are going really well so far for our group. So it's been, been a lot of fun so far. That's great. Yeah. Your team's looking pretty good this year. You got some strong, uh, strong teams, strong players. Yeah, we, uh, Personally, my team's looking really good. We we were pretty excited today. The the, the national rankings came out today, and, and my team was ranked third in the country, which which was is got everyone here excited. But all of our teams, I know, I think we have four or five teams ranked in the top ten. Um, so there's a lot of good things happening down here, and you know, a lot of a lot of great players, and a lot of you know, exciting exciting futures ahead for for many of our players. Uh, that's great. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about uh, the Dallas Stars Elite Hockey Club? I think is uh, your club. We, As I mentioned in the intro, you're uh, not just a U16 head coach and have been there for a long time, uh, but you're also an executive board member, so extremely involved. So kind of talk about your club and how many teams, how's it structured, where do you play, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm the director of hockey here as one of the founders, and I coached, I've coached our 16U team since day one. Um we are the only tier one um, club now in Texas. It wasn't always that way. There was actually four here at one time, but you know this city's morphed really well into a real collaborative effort between everyone from the USA Hockey governance of our state to the NHL club to all the tier two clubs. But we have nine teams. Our oldest team is an 18U team. 
Uh, the youngest we're allowed to have would be kind of a 9U team. So like our youngest kids are born in 2014. So pretty much 9- to 18-year-olds, one team per age group. And we pretty much have the best of the best from, from this area. And, um, you know, we run a, a kind of a player-centric, development-centric model. Um, so talk about that. What does that mean? So... You know, obviously, we're fortunate in a state here where where you know we could we can determine how we want the 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 club to be run. And so, I'll give you an example. If you go up north, use cities like Detroit or Boston or things like that, where there's crazy recruiting and all these nine and ten year old and elevens, all they care about is winning. It's who's got the best team. What I found is a lot of those teams are being run with a winning mentality, not necessarily a developmental mentality. And that doesn't mean they still don't have good players. They stay have great teams, don't get me wrong, and they win a lot of hockey games. But we've kind of taken a long-term athlete development approach where we started it about, about seven, I think seven years ago, eight years ago. We actually started with the 2007 birth year. We made a concerted effort to um, – we came up with our organizational philosophy and is what what can we not teach older kids? Like, what are the foundations that if you get to a certain age and you don't have this, it's hard to acquire as opposed to things you can teach an older player. So we've kind of put the focus on those core, that core foundation of what we feel every successful player is going to need as they get older. And, you know, you might not always win as much when you're 9 10 11 years old and we've been fortunate because we've been able to you know we've been able to develop players well so the the results have followed but everything is done with a player development um mentality okay. not a winning first mentality when our with our younger teams so and we've seen the fruits of it because 07 down we may be the most successful program or in the conversation um, probably in the country. So what do you say? And down, you're talking about from 07 to younger. Yes. Like our 07 birth year is, you know, now those kids are 16 and there's, you know, we think going to be several, you know, future NHL draft picks. Our 08 birth year is fantastic. Our 09 birth year is fantastic. You know, and going down like, like the best we've ever had. Wow. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So at what age are kids getting into hockey? Like what's the youngest that kids are playing now? Um, Where do they go to play? Yeah. So the way it works here is the, the Dallas stars have done an unbelievable job. Um, They, they have a bunch of rinks around town and, the way our state works, you know, USA Hockey lets each state kind of govern themselves. And, you know, they're all different. Like if you look across the country, what you may have a certain set of rules in one state, and it's completely different in another state. And here in Texas, um, the travel clubs are not allowed to have teams until the kids are nine. Most, you know, your normal kid will start playing around five or six. And the stars who are the predominant, you know, rink owners here, there's a few independents, but they've done a really good job with a grow the game, a learn to play. And they have different steps of, you know, if you're five, if you're six, seven, eight, whatever, whatever your skill level is. And they run, um, you know, kind of a rink based youth program. And they put a lot of time, resources, you know, energy into into getting kids to play and putting them in a good developmental environment. And so, you know, that's where you go. You go to your local, if you're in Texas, you go to your local rink and you enroll in their, you know, learn to play program and, and so on and so forth. And you're there until probably five or six through eight. And then when you're nine, if you want to do the travel club option, that's when you're allowed. But there's also continued rink-based options, Um if you want to continue to do that. So that's how our state runs. I, I think we're one of very few that do that. Um, okay. Like a lot of the travel clubs around the country have their own eight, you things like that. We, we don't, we're not allowed per rules. Okay. So, you know, I had recently heard, I say recently, maybe the past couple of years, um, 
that sports like uh, football, for example, uh, those those numbers have kind of dwindled, and uh, the participation and number of you know players in hockey, and I think even lacrosse, uh, which obviously has has grown quite a bit here recently, but those numbers have inc- have increased. Is is that a fair statement? Are you seeing increased levels of participation and enrollment in in these programs? I think for us here in Dallas, um, you know, being kind of a non-traditional hockey market, and and I think if I look at some of the other non-traditional ho- hockey markets from, you know, places like Nashville and Phoenix, you know, some of the California markets, I know here a lot of it is is based on the NHL club, you know, when the when the stars are doing well and, you know, obviously the, there's a lot of buzz around hockey and kids want to play and and you know, the stars, like, like I mentioned earlier, have done a phenomenal job of getting kids interested, growing the grassroots. Like we went through a patch about eight, nine years ago where maybe 10 years ago where the stars didn't have an owner for a couple of years and there was no grassroots and we really saw a fall off. But um, recently the numbers are off the charts and I believe USA Hockey as a whole across the boards numbers are up and I think you know, credit to the NHL, credit to USA Hockey, credit to a lot of the, you know, I think they've done a really good job marketing the game and, and, and you know, making it easier for kids to play and enroll with different learn-to-play programs and, and so on and so forth. And I've seen it too with like, you know, obviously football and baseball are kind of your traditional sports. Yeah. Everyone play maybe basketball, soccer, but I have even just talking to kids. I know when I was growing up, you played football, baseball, basketball, and then soccer and like i said me as a hockey player i also played baseball and i played soccer and i was a kid but now like you said you're seeing all these other lacrosses of the world you know and stuff like that being way more prevalent hockey um which is great to see for us yeah so yeah let's talk about that a little bit you kind of alluded to uh you know when you were younger do you mind just kind of giving us uh the background and the life and times of eric silverman's hockey career start when you were a kid sure. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York, uh, just outside New York City. My dad was a, a diehard New York Ranger fan, had season tickets when I was a young kid. Um, and when I, I just, you know, I always loved it. You started playing when I was young. And, you know, obviously the commitment to play hockey, my dad gave up his tickets to make sure we could be at the rink and doing all that <laughs> stuff. But yeah. that was um, kind of my That's intro. That's what dads do. Just, yeah. <laughs> Then I, I played youth hockey in New York my whole life, um, you know, for a variety of the clubs out there. And, and then was fortunate to um, get an opportunity to, to go um, when I was still in high school playing the USHL, which is, you know, the top junior league in, in the United States. And from there, went on to play college hockey, played some pro hockey. Um, and then when I retired from playing pro, my first hockey job actually was my old college assistant was a division one head coach. And I called him up when I decided to retire and said, I wanted to get into coaching, see if you had any advice. He's like, why don't you come join my staff? So I did go for a year and coach collegiately. And unfortunately the school had some title nine issues and had to fold some men's sports. Um, and they decided hockey was going to be one of the sports they folded. It happened kind of late. So I was looking for a job, and that's actually how I ended up in Dallas. I, I had um, done some work with a uh, player development, skill development company when I was a player and did a little work for them after, and, and they offered me a development job where they said they'd have me traveling three weeks a month, and it would be, I mean, I'd go work with an American League team one week, then a a group of eight-year-olds and a girls team then uh and they just had and they just said live somewhere central because you're going to be coast to coast so i had known a few people in in texas and i always enjoyed my time there so i said you know what i'll go live in dallas not right in the middle of the country good airport nice yeah. place to be in the winter and i thought <laughs> i'd be there for a year um and here i am 20 years later and um you know i i it somehow got sucked into the youth hockey scene here. I said no about 10 times initially, but um, it actually is a great youth community here. And, you know, I'll be really glad that it ended up working out how it is. But um, that's kind of my journey to here where I am today. Okay. Um, 
So like from a change perspective, I mean, it sounded like when you, when you were growing up in New York, you were playing club hockey then. Um, so I mean, club hockey, I think there's a local club here in Dallas that's been around what going on 50 years. Yeah. The Dallas uh, Penguins. It was, it was actually the first club that I worked for here in Dallas and I actually still work for them. They, they were, it's over 50 years now. I think they were the only one forever. Um, but now they're, you know, one of the clubs here and, and yeah, I, I think hockey is a sport, um, that is, you know, definitely more on the club model than the rec model for any serious player. I think you travel a little more. And I know here in Dallas, like at the stars, we're the only tier one club in the state. So like my team, we're on a plane every other week, um, to get the, the necessary level of competition, exposure, um, things like that, that, that my level needs. Now our younger teams are a little more fortunate because they can play locally against older teams and get good competition. Now why they still, while they'll still travel, there's no such thing as exposure for young kids. So we're not that worried about that. But when you mm-hmm. get into that, you know, high school age, we, we do make sure that our schedule is, is getting um, the kids in front of the right people to try to get opportunities at the next level. But yeah, club. I mean, in hockey, it's all about the club. You know, I would say the only state that's not is Minnesota has a good high school based um, thing for that. Oh, but, yeah. but pretty much everywhere else, the kids, there's a little bit of a prep school thing in the Northeast. They have club and prep, but Minnesota is pretty much the only state that's not really on the club level. Yeah, they're, uh, I've heard their high school hockey is kind of the equivalent of Texas high school football. It's exactly the equivalent. Like you I mean, can't get a ticket to some high well, school it's, events. It's, it's pretty cool. Like I, I've been fortunate. I, um, I work for the U.S. National Development Program as well. I'm the Western Regional Manager there, and, and, and obviously we are scouting kids from all over the country. But I've done some crossover up in Minnesota where I've been asked to go scout some high school games up there, and it's – it's certainly a a really cool environment, and and it does have a feel of a Friday Night Lights, um, like you have here with with the environment and the building, and it's certainly a really cool experience. Um, those who I know their state championship games, their state championship tournament, they play in the NHL arena up there, one of the arenas wow. like that, and you can't get it. It's twenty thousand people, you can't get near it. So really cool experience. <laughs> um. Golly, I mean, there's just so much here to 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 unpack. So, so you mentioned your role with, as you said, the national team. Can you talk a little bit about that and and what all what what that is? And you know, our kids from Dallas. Uh, you have any? You know, our kids playing there now. Yeah. What's 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 um, that about? So USA Hockey, probably about 20 years ago now, maybe more than that, 25 years ago, created a program called the United States National Team Development Program. I think it was initially formed to try to provide the highest level of training for the top players in the country to, you know, produce more high-end NHL players and, you know, have success at the international level. And so uh, we have two teams at the the development program. It's a, a U18 team and a U17 team. So, this current season, there's it's the 2006 and 2007 birth years, and currently our scouting staff is hard at work on the 2008s. Um, my role is essentially to know the western half of the country and evaluate and make my recommendations of which players deserve an opportunity to play there. Um, we have, I think, four or five regional managers, and then so we'll do crossover. Then we get together. We do kind of a, a national tryout camp that's invite only. They call it like the top 40 camp. They just make two teams and you go in, in, into Plymouth, Michigan, where we're located for a week. And, um, you know, we we as a staff, you know, watch, scout, evaluate, use all of our our information we've had on the, the players from the last couple of years and pick a national team. And, you know, guys, you know, if, if you look at the NHL, just for some names, players like Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, um, you know, the Hughes brothers. Uh, I mean, there's you could you can go on and on with the names of some of the players who have, have come through that program over the years. And 
you know, for me, it's, it's a lot of fun to be, be, um, be a part of, I've, I've been doing it for probably 16 years now. So I've been there a long Wow. time. And, you know, as far as Texas, we've been fortunate. We've had a lot of players come through that program. We have uh, two players from our team last year there. Now we expect to have a few more in the incoming class and, um, You know, it, it's certainly a goal of of not just our players, but pretty much any 15-year-old kid around the country right now, that's probably the number one place they hope to be. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't always get it right. We don't, you know, there are misses. There are players who are late bloomers who don't get that opportunity, but then turn out to be fantastic players. And so, but for me, it's it's been a really, um, really neat experience to be around that high level of player. over the years. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like the, your kind of a approach and philosophy around player development um, and these kids that are from the area who are getting an opportunity to play at, on that, on the national team, really to me, that kind of implies you have a pretty healthy club hockey scene here in, in the Dallas area. Um, so, I mean, it, you, you said something about different tiers. Are there are new clubs aligned to different tiers? Do they, uh, you know, how does that impact competition or, you know, what's from a Dallas hockey landscape perspective, is it healthy in terms of balance of talent and, um, how does that work in terms of the, the, the tiers that you've, you've mentioned? I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of step back about 12 13 years and I think if if you would have looked at Dallas as a hockey community 12 13 years ago I think you could have made an argument it was the most toxic unhealthy market in the country Why? um you had situations where if a parent wasn't happy they'd go start their own organization they'd throw money at people they'd throw money at players you had it where If you tried to coach a kid hard or hold him accountable, there'd be another club in town saying, oh, you know, they're being mean to you. Come play for me. And then you'd have people jumping all over the place. The teams weren't good. The best players were wanting to leave town because no one was good. The culture, we had, we had way more tier one and tier two organizations and we had players to support it. So tier two was bad. It was just... A lot of fighting, lawsuits. I mean, it was, it was, you know, you had a lot of politics because a rich parent whose kid wasn't any good would start an own team and pay a bunch of top people to come. And it was, and then their kid had to be on it and then other people would get pissed. Like, it was crazy. Um, and it was, and you know who suffered though is the kids. And we, you know, we, our state, recognize there was an issue the stars recognize there was an issue and a lot of the local leaders in our hockey community recognize there's an issue and you know what like some hard decisions were made and, and some controversial things happened but there was a vision of what a healthy hockey community can do and and so um what ended up happening was It got down to two tier one clubs um, and there was a limit on tier two clubs and then eventually morphed into where the stars elite was the tier one club. There was five tier two clubs and we kind of all worked together. It was a, a almost a pyramid collaboration at the top, the middle and at the bottom for the grassroots with the rink based stuff. There was a clear, um, you know, collaboration where every player ends up in the appropriate level everyone's working together everyone's pulling in the same direction and now i would say we have the healthiest hockey community in the country there i i've heard from numerous other markets who want to pick our brains on how we do it um what we're doing why are our players so successful but what it's also allowed us to do is coach the players we know is best for the players long term and it was you know it, it's funny we talk sometimes about some of the talented younger players who are around here back in the day who fizzled out because you couldn't coach them you couldn't develop them you couldn't do anything without worrying about if they were going to leave 
where now mm -hmm. and 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 so now there's so much buy-in that the players are the ones benefiting like we're gonna have I would I would be willing to bet our 07 and 08 birth years are going to have at least five or six NHL draft picks, That's which great. we've ne we've never had a two year run like that. And I'm talking there's probably first rounders in there too. And 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 I think that what you're seeing is because of the and, and you know what else we're seeing that's really cool there's high end players coming out of tier two. So the way it works in Dallas is there's tier one which is us. There's tier two, which has five clubs. I think it's six now, actually. And then there's the rink-based. So it's like three levels of hockey. But we never used to see players coming out of the tier two level, the double A tier two level, that can be any kind of impactful, um, you know, at the tier one level. But now the tier twos become really strong and really good coaching and really good development where we're seeing kids that are playing tier two at 14 years old by the time they're 18 getting junior opportunities getting division one college opportunities getting these opportunities that we would have never never dreamed kids from years back doing and so um there's a lot of like i said the stars taha which is our state government i mean our state usa hockey operating body all the leaders of the tier two clubs um there, you know, we 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 work together. We problem solve together. We collaborate on things we do in the community. And and again, the ones who is benefiting the most are the players. That's great. That's great. Um, so I, I feel like we've been talking about kind of boys hockey. Are there girls programs also here locally? Yep, we do have a girls program. I believe we have five teams. Um, through your club alone or across yeah, all the different where clubs? clubs? Well, yeah, there's, there's a tier one and a tier two club here in town. There might actually, I think there's more than five. If you have tier one and tier two combined, don't quote me on it might be seven, but I might be off by a number by one as well. But uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the stars have recently and the NHL have done a really good job, um, with their girls grow the game initiative and and i talk to our girls director regularly and i know he feels like there's a little bit of a gap where they they had some numbers and then it kind of faded a little bit and now um the grow the games really really you know doing a good job here and they feel like they've got a really good young talent pool to pull, pull from and they probably almost feel like where our boys program was about six seven years ago Okay. how they see it's coming with the young group but yeah girls hockey's really grown in this area um and you know um th there's actually a girl who who grew up here playing boys hockey who comes back and skates now and and does stuff <laughs> with the girls who's on the u.s national team oh that's which great. is a, a pretty cool thing to see and, and certainly a great role model for the the young upcoming girls um here in the community to see somebody who grew up playing here now, um, you know, playing for the national team, which is really cool. Okay. So, so like very healthy, almost 180 degree turn in terms of the health, you said, you know, yep. toxic eight years ago or so. And now everybody's kind of uh, going in the same direction. We're developing players across the, the multiple levels at the right pace to get yep. them to the, the next level. Um, I think one topic that a lot of our listeners like to kind of get a sense of, because I think this is a common theme across club sports is like, is, is the hockey family and hockey parents still the same as it was, you know, 15, 10, five years ago, or has this health kind of helped, you know, I don't want to use the term regulate, but kind of normalize the hockey family, hockey parent, or is it still the same issues as always been? Um, Listen, you're never going to have it 100% under control. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. we've we've done our best to educate families, to help them see things from a little bit of a long-term perspective, a global perspective. And I would say for the most part, it's it's good. But you'll always have the one person who thinks the grass is greener or someone's screwing them or you know, um, and you're never going to, in any sport, I, you can go 
I mean, you know, my daughter's involved in activities. I'll I'll go to the high school football games or I'll go to some other stuff that she, it's it's the same whatever, but you know, I I I do feel like it's as the culture here has improved, it's gotten better. But you know, we have passionate people and and you know, you're not going to please everybody and and Like I said, we do our best, but you know, it, it is, a, it, it's interesting though, something about hockey that I think is, hasn't changed and, and, and stronger is, you know, the way it works is you're at the rink for so long. You're always there early, you have off ice, you have, you got to get dressed. So a lot of these people are, are they're out there, they're, they're with, that's like their extended family almost during Yeah. the season. They're together on road trips, they're together, um, You know, I, I have like, I know families of former players that still hang out all the time. The kids don't even play hockey anymore and they're always together. So I think, you know, their kids are older, but, um, you know, I, I, I definitely still see the the gatherings in the parking lots, the gatherings in the ranks, the gatherings on the road. Like it's, it's definitely in the hotel a, bars or the a hotel lobby bar, you name with the it. ice chest. It's, Oh yeah. And it's it's really you know you're you're with it so much it's it really becomes your your social network um, for a lot of it. But like, like I said, I I don't like the majority of the families we have are great. They're supportive. Yeah. They listen. Um, they're they buy in and and you know I think a lot of their kids the the, the parents who have you know it, it's funny I, my daughter's in an activity I don't know anything about. I know nothing about it. And I tell my wife, like, they're the experts. Like, we need to listen to them. Like, where that's what we're trying to help our, Yeah. our families understand. Like, our goal is to help your kid. Like, we don't have any other agendas here. And, you know, like I said, I'd say the majority do buy in and do do it. But, you know, you always have your outliers who, you know, think they know more. And that's, that's part of it. But it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would think, and it's easier to say now that I'm kind of on the out, you know, out of the club sports scene is that, if you kind of stop and think about it, you're probably incented to develop those kids to their maximum potential, right? Cause you want them to move on. You want that to be attractive to, you know, other kids to say, yeah, you know what? I too could play, you know, at Boston college. Uh, if I you stay here in Dallas and I, you know, and I continue to play and develop or, you know, I could be a, a second round draft pick or you know, whatever it is. Right. As a coach and a, a Uh, you know, a, a leader in your club, you're incented to get these kids to the next level. I, but I don't And think you know, you the realize other thing, that while though, you're like, in it as a parent. That, that's all we care about it. And I think the other thing where we're a little unique too is, you know, pretty much all of our guys are full-time hockey guys. They all came, you know, from higher levels and we have relationships everywhere. So like just this week, I'm, I'm actively trying to help three of my former players in their current situation, just help it be better. You know, like everywhere from pro to college to junior like just because you don't play here anymore doesn't mean we still don't care about you and we still like i have uh i've had two players playing in the american league skate with my 16 team in the past two weeks you know that are Yeah. just here and they were getting ready to play and we have that family environment where they come back and we're we're always here for them and it's 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 you know we look at this as once you're you, you're here like You're part of our family for as long as as you're playing, you know, or and and beyond. And and so, Yeah. you know, our hope one day is that we have former players that are doing what we're doing in in a few years and and getting involved on on the other side of it and helping the young kids come up and 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 so on and so forth. And that's the kind of family environment our club's really trying hard to um, to create here um, locally. So I want to, I want to talk about a little bit about that. I didn't uh, from, you know, knowing you a little bit and, and kind of read on your bio, you really, you, so you do have relationships into the pro level game. Oh yeah. You don't stop at You college. know, it's, it's So. interesting. So just when you're coming up as a player and, and I was fortunate to play with some pretty good players at some pretty good levels. And, and, you know, then as I start working in USA hockey, even for example, like I, I made a decision that I was invested in this Dallas youth game, but a lot of my, my coworkers at the time 
decided to pursue other avenues at the pro level. So I've had good buddies of mine be assistant GMs in the NHL, assistant coaches. I, I've got a couple I know that are now head coaches in the NHL, you know, working in different front office capacities, player development with division one head coach. I saw an old teammate of mine the other day, he's division one head coach. And so, you know, I try to use my relationships if any way I can to help our guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for instance, I, we have a former player who's a member um, proper to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, had a, he's a young kid. He had great training camp with them, was one of their last guys sent down to the minors. You know, one of my old buddies is one of their coaches. I was able to have a conversation with him, how camp went, any advice he could have for, for the guy. And then, you know, had a great conversation with the player on Monday this week about, all right, here's what you need to do down the minors. Here's, you know, those are, those are some of my favorite things that I get to do. Like seeing former players having that kind of success and any, anything I could ever do to help them is some of the most rewarding aspects and, and not just me, but I think all of our coaches are trying to use their relationships to, to provide any opportunities or insight or anything we can for our players. So that's definitely yeah. something we do. Yeah. And that's what I tell uh, just kind of from my experience with, with my kids going through club sports and their respective sports, right. Is that now that they're, you know, out of college and continue to pursue their dream or still, you know, you know, wrapping up college and, you know, our, then our daughter is, is, is in, in her sport is a freshman playing uh, college volleyball. And one thing that I, some parents will ask me like, you know, what's something you talk about now? Like, you know, you can't really make them work harder in practice, you know, like you did when you were in club and all that kind of stuff. Like, what do you talk about? And one thing that we talk about consistently, I think is start to build your network. Right. It's not because once you kind of get out of you, you go away from home and you're in college or you're trying to pursue professionally. Right. You never know who you're going to be working with five, six, 10 years from now that you played with or coached with or they coached you or that kind of thing. Like your assistant coach today could be the head coach of a club that you want to be assistant coach next year. So that whole build the network concept is what we really try to talk about. Or one of the things we talk about with our kids, right? We can't make them go to practice or practice harder or, you know, that kind of stuff. But well, that I think, network, that I think that's what life. we're talking about. hundred percent. I mean, I think, I think it, 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 in life, the, the, the bigger your network is, you never know, you know, what, what's going to be ahead of you. And I think, the one thing, though, that I think is important with that is like something that I've tried to do and it's not always easy is is you got to be you got to be candid too. like you can't like if I'm talking to a college coach, I know well and they're asking about a player I just don't think has that drive or don't think is going to get there. I can't lie. Yeah. You know, and so I think when you when you as you build those relationships, you also have to get to the point where there's a level of trust where. You know, if you're going to put your reputation, like they're going to know you're not going to put your reputation on the line for somebody if you don't really believe in that player. Yeah. Um, because the second you're sending guy or, you know, you're, you're vouching for players who you're doing it to try to help them, but you know, in your heart, they're not really what it have, what it takes. That's the second they stop calling you or stop dealing with you with, with some of your things. So that's something that you know, I think it's an important part of your network too. You have to build trust within your network. You can't just, you know, but yeah, no, hundred percent what you're saying. And that's, it's all part of it. I mean, it's funny. Like I have an assistant coach um, who's been in hockey for a long time, but, but has only been doing this level for a few years and everywhere we go, he's like, how do you know everybody? I'm like, well, between my playing and my coaching and this, I've just been around for a while. Yeah, you know, and you, and you get to know people, but yeah, that's a huge part of it for sure. And and like I said, I'm fortunate that some of my old buddies and and coworkers have gone on to be pretty successful. So it's it's certainly helped with my network for sure. Yeah, I I think it's so important. Um, so I'm going to shift gears here a little bit, Eric. Uh, like I said, you know, I get a handful of of questions still about you know sports and all that and inevitably the whole college recruiting uh 
comes up, right? I think hockey is a little bit different in that you've got kind of the collegiate, you know, American college, I'll call it route NCAA. And then you have, um, I want to say Canadian major junior route, which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think uh, takes away from your college eligibility here in the, in the States, if you kind of go that route, but it very similar to volleyball, I think in that you get scouted, you know, kind of that 15, 16, 17 year old, and then the whole like verbal commitment, is that still part of the college recruiting and, you know, has, or has that changed or what's that look like today? So it has changed a little bit. So the NCAA, at least on the hockey side of it has created some rules in recent years that slow down the process a little bit. You cannot, they cannot offer a player a scholarship. I believe it's until August of heading into their junior year of high school. So the younger, younger stuff is not thing anymore. Um, you know, what, what makes hockey unique from all the other sports, um, and, and it's because it's, it's, I guess it's a global sport and, and there's players from all over the world and different rules to follow, but you know, your normal football, volleyball, baseball, basketball players getting scouted in high school, they're getting, they're going from high school at 18 right to college. Where hockey is really unique is this junior hockey. And I know you mentioned major junior earlier. And, and yes, there is a Canadian major junior option for kids that you do lose your NCAA eligibility because it's considered pro. Mm-hmm. But the reality is for 90%, 95% of the players playing in America, that's not really an option. Like it's not a thing. You might have, you know, 10, 15 players a year from the U S that are good players go that route, but you're not talking about a tremendous amount, maybe 20, 25, like in the, in the grand scheme of it, the majority, 90% of the kids playing in the U S are looking to play college. And, and where this becomes a big challenge, particularly for parents that don't understand hockey, you know, your average college freshman hockey player, I think is 19 and a half years old. So you graduate high school. Now you have a year or two, to play junior hockey before you go to college, which is but very Canadian major junior. You're talking about a U.S. I'm talking junior. About you, I'm talking about if you want to play U.S. college hockey. Okay. So there's if if you want to play U.S. college hockey, let's just say you're a kid from Dallas and you want to play at Notre Dame. Know, sure. No, Notre Dame is a perfect example. We had a kid graduate from Notre Dame this past year. Okay. okay? That player after he graduated high school played. I think two more years of junior hockey while he's not going to school just to try to get that opportunity to play at Notre Dame. And so, yeah, you're, you might have your high end kids who can go in as a true freshman and there's always a handful of them, but you know, the majority of the players are not going to enter college in hockey until they're, I think the average freshman, I think is somewhere around 19 and a half years old. You'll have 20-year-old freshmen. You'll have 19-year-old freshmen, a few 18s, but I think it's 19 and a half. So a lot of parents have a hard time wrapping their head around, like, you mean my kid's going to graduate high school and he's not going to go right to college? And I would say a, a good majority of the kids aren't committing to college till they're at least 18, maybe 17. But um, it's it, you have to be more patient in hockey than the other sports. And, you know, everyone will see the 16-year-old kid like I just had one on my team. He's 16 years old. He just committed to Ohio State. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited and proud for him. But I've had a few people, well, I don't have a commitment yet. Like, is my career over? It's like, no, you're going to be fine. Like, that's an exception to, to get that yeah. at that age. Most of the kids are going to get it a little bit older. And then you give them the examples of the players who – Hey, this kid plays here. He didn't commit till he was 18. This kid plays here. He didn't commit till he's 19. Then you start, you know, calming people down. But I, I certainly think the edu- educational component of how slow hockey is, is definitely, um, you know, new to people. Yeah, it's interesting. And I guess like any other sport, I was watching some of the weekend about basketball and, you know, they still talk about, you know, LeBron James going from high school to pros and you know now he's you know one of the top 10 yep. most influential 
sports figures in the world and that kind of stuff. Right. But you're talking 0.001% of, of, of the people who ever, you know, stepped on a basketball court, right. You always hear about that, but you don't hear the story about the kid who persevered through, uh, you know, injury or didn't make the team his first year, second year, then finally got on there the third year. And, you know, we have very little we have a player we try to use as an example. Um, there's a, a player here from Dallas who, you know, didn't make the national team despite the fact that a couple other kids from his age group made it. Then he, he ended up playing three years here of like he played U16. No, he played two years of U18 here in Dallas. Um, and then he went to the USHL, didn't have a good first year, got traded. Finally, as a as a, I think as a, a 19 or 20 year old, took off, had a great junior year, career in junior, got a college scholarship. He played four years of college, graduated from college, and I think 24. And he is on his, I think, third NHL contract, making five million dollars a year now. Yeah. Where the kid the kids from his age that made the national team, you know, never had an NHL career. And so we say to people like, yeah, like it's it's a marathon. Like everyone's gonna, you know, blossom at their own time. And when your kid's ready, we'll we'll help him move on. But just because he's not getting this opportunity at sixteen doesn't mean he's not going to get it in the future. He just needs to keep. And you, you run your own race. Like that's the yeah. the best advice I can give any sports parent is don't compare yourself to the kid next to you. Like all you can do is is be the best you can be every day and put all your energy into getting better. And if you do that, like typically good things will happen for you, but it's, I've seen kids quit hockey because their buddy got drafted and they didn't, or their buddy got this and they didn't, and they thought they had no chance. And it's like, Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah. So, you know, Eric kind of, start to wrap up here a little bit. I mean, is there anything you'd like to see different in, you know, either in North American hockey or, you know, at the club level, uh, heading into those, those junior years you're talking about, or at the, you know, the entry level, what's, what are, do you have any ideas? What would you like to see different? That kind of thing. I mean, and it's interesting because there are some, the one thing that I think I'd like to see, and, and there's certainly been a lot of discussions with it, but I mentioned earlier that every state has completely different rules from everything. And I think, you know, now with things like spring and summer hockey and, and this and that oh, you, yeah. and social media, you, you have all these players from different regions and different areas playing on teams together, doing this. And I think there's a lot of bad information going back and forth because it may be like this in one location and different in a different location. Where I would I would love to see USA hockey, at least at the highest of levels, your tier one level, have some sort of national governance where, you know, obviously each region may have some different geographical challenges, but as far as like it, it doesn't look like two different, you know, things that make no sense um, with regards to how the rules are in the governing bodies from state to state. Like, I think it's just, it's bizarre. In some states, kids can play up. In some states, they can. In some states, you can have out-of-town kids. In some states, you can't. Yet you all compete for the same nationals. You all are held to the same standard, but it's not, it's, it, there's different recruiting. It's just, it's kind of a mess. Like that would be the one thing for me, but I will say here in Dallas, um, I think we've, we've really hit a a point where we are becoming, and I think you're going to see here the next four or five years, you're going to see this area having very household name players um, that are, you know, and I think this market's going to be known. And I think it's all the secrets are already starting to come out, but I think it's mm-hmm. going to be known as a premier hockey market in, in, in North America, which which I know our staff and our families are super proud of and excited about. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, hey, Eric, I really appreciate uh, the time today and the insight. Uh, you know, I'd like to reserve the right to have follow-up uh, discussions in the future as we get, uh, you know, feedback or questions, or we start to see themes across different sports or different, you know, aspects here in the in the Dallas club sports landscape. But um, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're right in the the the, the throes of getting a season rolling. Um, we want to wish you the best of luck, uh, on your players and your programs and, and, uh, everybody, uh, have a successful season. Well, I appreciate you having me and, and best of luck with everything you're doing and, and certainly happy to, you know, help in any way I can, or be happy to talk to anyone or follow up on anything. I think like anything, we just, we want to see players around the country be successful and, and you know, we're always happy to share whatever we can to help make people's journeys as, as easy as possible. So, all right. Well, appreciate it. And we appreciate you joining. Uh, welcome to the club. We'll talk to you yep. soon, Eric. Th thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yep. Right. See, ya. See ya. Bye. How great was that to have Eric on today? Um, really, he's clearly got his finger on the pulse of DFW hockey as well as the, the, the USA hockey and, and national scene, as he talked about into the collegiate levels and beyond. Um, I think one of the things that he touched on that is a common theme, which you'll hear about in an upcoming episode where we talk about softball is every player along their development life cycle, they have a different path. They have different, uh, they peak at different times. Some are late bloomers, some are studs from the beginning, some are studs and then never quite, advanced once they get past you know 14s or 15s but everybody's got a different path and and uh you know persistency and you know staying healthy and, and all that kind of stuff play it plays a role but i think the important takeaway is is that uh everybody's got a different path so again we're really uh pleased that eric took the time to 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 share with us uh, his insights from the club hockey world and uh, really looking forward to some future conversations as we identify themes across all the different sports, as I talked about, as well as um, you know, starting to hear some, some fun stories about um, the antics of, of club sports, perhaps. So a little bit of foreshadowing there, hopefully. But um, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate y'all checking us out. And please reach out and provide feedback. Check out um, the website at welcometotheclub.co as well as uh, social media on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the club. <laughs>